book of Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. I promise this is not a repeat of last week, but it is a continuation. Last week, we started out on the Ten Commandments. And if you weren't able to join us in person, we'll catch you up to speed here in just a moment. But I made a statement last week where I just felt like taking one week to speak on the Ten Commandments and spend only a few minutes on each one of those wouldn't do its service and justice. So wanted to take a couple of weeks to talk about this and also want to encourage you too that as we got to the Ten Commandments, I really began to pray about not only what we would share here on the Sunday mornings, but I really felt like God was leading us to open up our, our small group Wednesday back up again. So this past Wednesday, we got together uh, inside the sanctuary and those online. And every single week for the next nine weeks, we're taking one commandment and diving deeper specifically on that commandment. So on Wednesday night at 6.30, you can join us here inside the sanctuary or you can join us online. And uh, last Wednesday, we talked about the principle of priority. Uh, we're gonna be moving on to point number two and uh, it's with Pastor Robert Morris, who is a great teaching pastor. And then afterwards, man, we just talk about it as a group and it is very encouraging. Uh, heard some great stuff on Wednesday night with those who join us in person. I, I know with Vanessa online on Zoom, she hosted the online group and uh, man, we just believe that when we get together, when you open up God's word, God speaks and we learn stuff. So that's on Wednesday night. So today what we're going to do, though, is we're going to talk on commandments 5 through 10. Okay, so 5 through 10. But let's remind ourselves of our big idea in this series. And it is simply this. The Bible is a unified, uninterrupted story that leads to Jesus. It's on the screen. It's been on the screen. You're in your seat. We're going to say it together on the count of three. One, two, three. The Bible is a unified, uninterrupted story that leads to Jesus. So every single week that we get together in this series, we're saying this every single time. From Genesis all the way to Revelations, every story that we read, everything that we talk about, it points to Jesus. Jesus is a really, really big deal. And everyone said, he's a big deal. It's why we do this. People say, are you a Jesus church? Yep, for sure. Everything we do points to him. Well, what about this? And what about that? Cool, but we believe in Jesus. That, that at the end of the day, that's the biggest thing that matters to us. So these 10 commandments, they do four things. As a point of recap, number one, each commandment gives us insight into the revelation of God. Each commandment is revelation, meaning it gives us insight to God's character. Today, we're talking about the commandments that have to do with you and I. Look at your neighbor real quick, give him a big smile, because in just a moment, you might not be smiling at them anymore especially if they'd done some of these things that we're talking about today. Some of you guys are going to need to like ask for, for, no, I'm just joking. But they give us the character of God. Another thing the commandments do is they confront us. In other words, they, they make us take a look at our character. How many of you guys believe we all got flawed character? We may think we have it all together, but we've got some flaws. So as we read these commandments, they, they give us insight into our own character, Thirdly, each commandment then gives us instruction. The commandment shows our character and it shows us how to get it right. And then lastly, each commandment gives us a promise. Now I do that in light of a recap because of the commandments that we're talking about today. Last week's commandments had to do with us and God. It was the vertical. Now today, we're going horizontal with this deal. These commandments God gives to us not as a way of him yelling at us to do better. That's not what the commandments are. Commandments are God simply saying, I want what's best for you, and these things will help you in that. 
Now here's what I notice. Here's what you probably notice. You're surrounded by people every single day. Some of them, you kind of wish you weren't. And don't look at me that way because you know what I'm talking about. Some of them, you work with them. Same place of employment. They're there every single day. And when you see them, you think a thought towards that person that you work with every single day. Amen or oh me. All right, cool. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate that. He's like, my brother Michael, I tell you what. We, we've all got relationships around us. And these things really matter. So what we're going to do is we're just going to get straight to work today, okay? So this is number five. Point number five, continuing up from last week. It's our first point today, but it's really point number five. Children, listen up. Honor continually. Everyone say honor continually. All right, let's read it. Exodus 20, 12 says to honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And every parent in this room said, amen. amen. I love this commandment. I love this commandment because although a lot of them have benefits for us, this one right here gives us a direct promise. It says your days will be long. So if you're here today and you've got some, some silver on top of your head, you obeyed your mom and dad. Your days are long. <laughs> if you like to diet, that's cool too. But we know, and we know. <laughs> it's the only commandment that has a promise. It says your days will be long. And then it says, the land upon which your Lord, your God is giving you. If I was to simplify this commandment, it would be God saying, I'm gonna give you a calling. I'm gonna give you a place. And it's gonna go really, really good there. He's gonna honor. But you, you've gotta get this this honor thing down. Let's shoot straight. There's going to be a lot of shooting straight today. How do you honor a parent if you feel like they're not honorable? Uh-oh. How do you do that? And let me just say this. I'm going to show you this in Scripture, but this goes well beyond just parents having kids. This even goes for those of you that are raised outside of your home. Honor is still honor. Do you notice there is no scripture here that says, honor your father and mother until you actually move out and live your own life. God doesn't put a, an expiration date on this commandment. So, so when we read this commandment today, this is for all of us, no matter how young or how old. This applies. There's a way that we have to honor. So the big question when we get to this one and you talk with people is, how do I honor somebody who doesn't deserve to be honored? It's a tough question. I remember counseling with teenagers for years. How, Pastor Rich, how do I honor my dad? My dad's a drunk. My dad abuses my mother. I don't think my dad cares for me. And you're telling me that God is looking at me saying, hey, look, here's the deal. Honor your father and mother. Can I ask you a question? What do you say to that? How do you honor a parent who walked out on you? How do you honor a parent that was gone from your life for 20 years and now wants to come back in? How do you honor a parent that doesn't serve God? How do you do it? So I remember one time I looked at this young man. Because it's not right that your dad's drunk. It's not right that your dad beats you 
physically, mentally, and verbally. There ain't nothing good about that. So here's how you honor him. You pray for him. Sometimes the best honor we can do for those that are difficult to live with and to work with, and especially in the realm of parents, is to simply pray for them. Because you know what's going to happen when you pray for them? You're going to have to check your heart. You're going to have to come to terms and to grips with the fact that your parent is not perfect. There is no perfect parent. But you're going to have to come to grips. It's really hard to pray for someone angry. Have you noticed that? God, I just, mm, bless them. Right? Hard to do. So you have to honor him. So I told this young man, I said, you honor your dad by praying for your dad. And then as God begins to work on your dad, because God answers prayer, then what happens is, is little by little, you that dad come back in the picture. Because now we go from honor, and now we're going to work on trust. And let me tell you what trust is like. Trust is like a bank. You got to make some deposits so you can get some withdrawals. You know, the great part is not all of us had bad parent or parents. We had great parents. So you know one of the greatest ways for those of us that are outside of the home that we can honor our parents? Call them. Tell them you love them. Show up unannounced. Do something nice. Take them out to eat. Places are opening up again. Ask them questions. I I love this article. I came across this years ago. I've always loved it. Maybe this explains it. At age four, my parents can do anything. (laughs) At age seven, man, my parents sure are smart. They sure know a lot. At age 10... I don't think my parents quite know what they're talking about. (laughs) Age 12, my parents really don't know so much. At age 14, my parents are hopeless. (laughs) Goodness gracious. Age 21, man, they're completely out of touch with reality. Wow. TikTok? What's TikTok? At age 25, you know, I think my parents know a little bit but not much. Still got this thing on my own. At age 30, I've got a big problem. I think I should find out what my parents think. Age 35, you know, before we make this decision, I think we need to get mom and dad's opinion. At age 50, I wonder what my parents would have thought about this. At age 65, I wish I could just talk one more time with my parents. See the progression? I honestly believe this to be true. How you honor your parents or any word with the word parents on it speaks to the volumes of how much you value and love God. They're your parents. That went over much better than I thought. All right, number six, commandment six. Don't explode on others. Here we go, buckle up. 
Exodus 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. Everyone say murder. Okay, here's the great part. I don't think there's anybody inside this room, God willing, God hoping, that has plotted to murder someone. Right? I mean, give me a smile or a nod or something. Okay, good. Good. We're safe. It's awesome. We, we don't have this, right? And so we read this in the Old Testament, or maybe someone new to the faith reads in the Old Testament, do not murder. And they're thinking, I'm not going to be tempted with that. Maybe. I'm not tempted with it. Thought about it with my spouse, but I love them. <laughs> Listen, if you have a spouse that watches like all those mur- murder mystery shows, man, you should be worried. Like, how to get away with, I mean, it's bad. <laughs> just joking. It's all joking. Here's the deal. Come on. Let's, let's just shoot straight. No one in here, you're not battling with that. Because you know it's wrong. Now, if we got really deep in here, listen, we, we could talk about abortion. Mm-hmm. We, we, we can go and we can talk about capital punishment. We can war on that. We, we could talk about war. So, so if God says, don't murder, and I'm called to serve my country and go and defend my country, what do I do with that? Can I just say something, not to try to get out of this conversation, but that's a long conversation, okay? Let me bring it home for you. Jesus, in the New Testament, brings it to our level. Ready? Matthew 5, 21. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Jesus is referring to the Ten Commandments. Verse 22. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Uh Uh-oh. Come on, let me ask the question. You ever been angry at someone? (laughs) Married couples, don't look to the left or the right right now, or someone's about to get angry. Now we all have. How many of you guys know anger can demolish and destroy relationships? You ever, see, you ever been in a room that's full of joy and all it takes is for one angry person to walk in and the whole mood changes? Because you know their anger at any given point. You could say something and bam, it's on. You, you, you bring up this pandemic, you better, you better word it the right way in my house or I'm about to get angry. Thanksgiving comes around, got issues going on, they're unsettled, angry person walks in. Man, we know what anger can do. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been subject to someone who couldn't control their anger? It can devastate you. It could ruin you. Man, anger, man, it's a, it's, a, it's a big deal. Now, I find this kind of humorous, by the way. Ten Commandments, not, not anger. <laughs> Please don't hit me wrong on that one. Like, oh, anger. No, no, no. Who is God giving the Ten Commandments to in this story? But who's, who's the man? Moses. Let's go back a couple weeks. What did Moses do when he saw an Egyptian? I killed him. <laughs> Anger. Can you imagine being Moses for a moment? He's getting the commandments from God, you know. God first, you know, all that good stuff. Sabbath. One through four, honor your father and mom. Moses going, got that. And then God says, do not murder. What? 
So he gave it to you. What would be going through your mind? God was saying, hey, do not murder. Moses going, I'm so sorry, Lord. So I find it funny, but at the same time, anger is huge. Let me ask you this. Have you ever done something in anger and regretted it afterwards? We all have in some way, shape, or form. Now, I could talk about the story that I tell all the time, which you guys have heard, where I decided on the night that I got engaged to Vanessa to let some driver know behind me just how angry I was with him. I won't tell that story, but I got very angry. Bad. I regretted it. I'll tell you why I regretted it. Because it didn't reflect Jesus. You say, wait a minute. I'm allowed to be angry about things. Yeah. Be angry, but sin not. It angers me to see things take place in our society, in our culture. It should anger you. Yeah, it should anger you when someone does something. Like murder. Or abuse. But be angry and sin not. See, I think the Bible says a lot about anger that we should know. Look at Psalm 37, 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. Proverbs 14, 29 in the message. Slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. A quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. I love the message version sometimes. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put far away from you, along with malice. Watch here. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgiven you. Slow to anger. Everyone say slow to anger kind of letting these points kind of stick just a little bit. All right, number seven. You have to run from lust. Uh-oh. Run. Everyone say run. run. Translation of the Bible would say flee. Say flee. flee. You got to run from lust. All right, let's, let's shoot straight. Exodus 20, verse 14. You shall not commit adultery. Okay, so here's my question. Like anger, did Jesus bump the standard up on this one? He sure did. All right, here we go. Matthew 5, 27. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. All right, now, I am definitely not asking for a show of hands on this one. But if I did, and if we were honest, every hand in this place would go up. And this applies to women too. This isn't just a man-only thing. It applies to both. I could give you statistics on pornography on both sides that would show you that this is an equal war. On both sides. In our culture today, this fight is so prevalent, so prominent, and so destroying. And there's not a single person on the face of the planet who is exempt 
from this. You guys have heard me tell the story of an elderly man who was sitting at an airport one day with my mentor. And a young lady walked by and she looked very nice. The gentleman, my mentor, sitting next to the elderly man, said, when does the temptation not to look twice ever go away? And the man said this. He said, son, you better find another man older than me and ask that question. (laughs) Okay, so I didn't really necessarily wrestle with this point this week. I just wrestled how far I wanted to take it this week. Some of you are like, I'm in for a great time. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Listen, you're not responsible for the first look, but you are for the second. Let's just talk real and practical. Just look at me. Just understand, this is a conversation here. Those of you joining online, tune in. Get closer to the screen if you have to. You're, you're living life. You're driving around. You see someone who looks attractive. Good job, God. (laughs) You did good. But what you need to do is what we train teenagers to do all the time, which I think is great for adults too, is you need to bounce your eyes. We call them the three Bs. You got to bounce your eyes. You got to bind your thoughts. And you got to build a perimeter around your heart. So I tell my boys all the time, you see a pretty girl, bounce your eyes. Bind your thoughts. Because sometimes when we see something, we could bounce our eyes, but the thought's coming in. And so what you need to do is you need to bind your thoughts with God's word. Purity. It's a good thing. It's powerful. Then from there, you got to build a perimeter around your heart. What do I mean by that? I share this with our guys group. I share it with my boys. I don't mean this rudely. I'm just being honest. My boys and I, during college season, for the most part, Do not go down California Boulevard or whatever it is. California Street, Boulevard, Avenue, Way, whatever you want to say. And here's why. We're not trying to be judgmental. It's just a place of temptation. We just don't do it. Protecting my heart. There's shows that we stay away from. See what I'm saying? You need to guard yourself. All of us. Both male and female. Because it's a trap. It's a costly trap. So we do that. Driving with MJ. And I could always tell when MJ does. Brag on, brag on my, my son for a moment because I can. It's like, man, his whole head goes... Whoop! And I don't even have to say a word. I know it. He saw a pretty girl. And he's like. (laughs) Now as a dad. I love it. I think it's great. I think it's honorable. So what does the Bible say about it? A lot. Psalm 100 verse 3. For I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Luke eleven thirty four. 
Your eyes, they light up your inward being. A pure eye lets sunshine into your soul. A lustful eye shuts out the light and plunges you into darkness. So watch out that the sunshine isn't blotted out. If you are filled with light within, with no dark corners, then your face will be radiant too, as though a floodlight is beamed upon you. It matters. Job 31 says, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. I'm going to say something here real quick. And I mean this in love. Ladies, stop giving men. Oh, I shouldn't say that, Pastor. I care about you. But stop giving men a reason to stare at you and to look at you a second time. Now, I'm not going to get into, I'm not, I'm not trying to be legalistic. You know exactly what I'm saying. I don't even have to. And I'm not trying to come hard. And trust me, there are guys too. You're a friend of mine and you're a dude and you post a picture of you with no shirt on your Instagram, you were unfollowed just like that. <laughs> Joking, everyone joke, ha ha, laugh. <laughs> I, I tell young ladies this whenever we get into conversations. You want to attract the right guy? Just dress modestly. You want to attract a guy who's all about something else? Just keep doing that. Because that's what you'll attract. It's not a popular thing to say, just so you know. But it's not hard for me to say. Because whether you're a man of God or a woman of God, I want people loving you for your love for Jesus, not because of the way that you look. And there's a massive difference there. And sometimes we make it hard for the opposite sex by the way we conduct ourselves and carry ourselves. So I want to challenge you. Matter of fact, I just want you to, to make this. Why don't you ask the Holy Spirit? Do I need to check myself? Do I need to watch the way that I dress, that I conduct? Man, it feels very awkward and tense in here right now. It's going to get worse in a minute. Just hold on. See what I'm saying? I just want to be a real pastor and shoot straight. And the commandments, that's what they do. They, they call us to a place of looking at ourselves and our character and just saying, okay, let's deal with this. All right? All right, smile. Smile. All right. Number eight, if it's yours, I'm sorry, if it's not yours, don't take it. Exodus 20, 15, as Nate comes. You shall not steal. All right, now, how many of you have ever been stolen from? Show of hands on this one. Were you infuriated? Infuriated. Why? Because it's yours. And whatever that item was, you know what you probably did? You probably worked for it. Your time, your energy, your mind. You maybe even saved up. Now, don't laugh at me. I know you probably will, but I'm going to say it. Man, someone stole my gym bag out of my truck. And for like two days, I was like, man, I was devastated. Now, don't laugh at me, but it had everything. 
Like, man, I got brand new to CrossFit. I got the knee sleeves. I got the wraps. I got the belt. I got all, my, 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 my earbuds were in there the whole, and someone got into my truck. It was locked. Got into my truck, stole it. And I was so mad. It's just stuff, but man, I worked hard for that. I saved up for a lot of that. Months. Doesn't feel good when we're, when we steal or when someone has stolen from us. And man, we get mad. Anybody else get mad? You get angry? Just don't explode on others. Remember, we talked about that. But we get upset. But let me ask you a question. You ever stolen before? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Easy to say we did when we were kids, right? Like, oh, yeah, probably when I was a kid. But listen, it's not always about stuff that we steal. How about showing up to work a little bit late and leaving a little bit early, but yet still taking that full-time paycheck? Is that stealing or not? Okay. How about instead of doing what we're paid to do, this is very easy during quarantine, when we should be in meetings or doing stuff depending on what you do, but the screens on Hulu or on Netflix or on a game during work hours. Uh-oh. Okay. How about those items from the break room? I know, I don't know what's missing. Resting when you should be working. Just all examples. Is that stealing or not? It is. Let's call it what it is. I, I think as Christians, listen to me, we should be the most engaged people in our place of work than anyone else. The most truthful, the most honest, the most engaged, more than anyone else. Colossians 3.23 and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You've heard me say it. I'll say it quickly. You're not working for your boss. You're working for the boss. And when you put your perspective there, you know what you do? You give your best. The best that you can with what you've got, you make it happen because you work for God Almighty and not for just this person here. When you have that perspective, I'm telling you, there is no limit to how far you can go in whatever field you're in. When you say this morning, I wake up, I get ready, I show up on time, I work hard, I put in extra ones needed, and I'm doing it not just for a paycheck here, not for a boss here, I'm doing it because I love God so much and he's been so good and he's so worthy that man, I do this. I'm telling you, you, you have that attitude going to work. It doesn't even matter how bad your work environment is because you're serving God. I love it. Nothing beats it. This past Wednesday, you'd be so proud of your wife, Uriah. So proud. This past Wednesday, we're in here and we're talking our midweek. And we were just going through this whole principle of priority and putting God first and all this great stuff. And she gave one of the nicest compliments. And she says, I'm just so grateful for a church that preaches God's word. 
and does so so boldly. And I said, well, why is that? And I'm just paraphrasing it. And she began to talk about that as a Christian and as a believer. She didn't really understand the whole part of honoring God in, in her giving. And I thought it was interesting because the message wasn't even on giving at all. And she said, we started putting God first with our money. And, and by the way, I preach this boldly. I don't preach this timidly, by the way, if you've been a part of this church for, for long. Because it's always wanting God's best for you. I gain nothing. My wife and I, we, we gain nothing by you putting God first. No alternative motive here. It's always been wanting God's best for your life. Always has been. She literally says we started putting God first or that we put God first in our giving. And she goes, I didn't understand how it all worked, but I knew. And she just began to say, it would blow your mind what God has done in the area of our finances since we started doing that. Agree? And I was sitting up here knowing that we're speaking on the Ten Commandments. See, because when you look at Scripture, one of the only times that God says that we steal from Him, it's in the tithe and in the offering. He says, you're robbing me. It's an Old Testament pastor. No, Jesus even mentioned it in the New Testament. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I saw a guy say this past week. He says, if you're a Christian, you believe in God, don't tithe to your church. Just go give to the poor. And you know what? Can I just say something to you very quickly? If that's the case, if we go to Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, number 1 says to bring all the tithes and offerings. Notice it says bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Well, what's the storehouse? It's the church. And then you know what we do with that? We in turn go feed the poor. This church does it every single month. So can I just say something to you very quickly? And then I'll move on to number 9 and 10. We'll close. Don't rob God. Don't steal from God. But then also in your relationships with one another and what you do, don't steal. If it ain't yours, don't take it. Because you will reap what you sow. Amen. Whew, number nine, tell the truth no matter what, even if it hurts. It's kind of what I just had to do right there. I'm so thankful for number nine being after number eight. But I don't regret it. I just want God's best for your life. Exodus 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. We've all lied. Listen to me. Make a commitment today. Don't lie. Don't exaggerate. An exaggeration is most of the time, it's a lie. You know why we do it? To make the story a little bit better, to hide insecurity, to cover shame. A lie is a lie. Everyone say, don't lie. Amen. Proverbs 6, 16. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven that are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies. Lies is in there twice. Pretty big deal. And then he who sows discord among the brethren. Can I give you a big truth that I learned? If lying is a hard time for you, <laughs> the more you tell the truth, the less you have to remember. Oh, this one's good. 
Let that set in. The more you tell the truth, the less you have to remember. But when you lie, you know what you have to do? You gotta keep track of the lie, which usually leads to another lie, and then to another lie, and then now you can't remember which lie is a lie. So just tell the truth. Oh my gosh, when I tell the truth, I get to forget. I get to look at people and go, I don't remember, and it's okay. I get to have a memory problem. Some of you need to write this down. This will be a great tip. Just tell the truth. So good, never mind. Number 10, last and we close. You guys have been so great and gracious. Number 10 is you got to be content. Oh, you got to be content. Exodus 20, verse 17. And you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor... Do you just read stuff in the Bible and go, what? It made sense back then. Nor anything that is your neighbor's. All right, so we could put that into terms. Don't covet your neighbor's car. Don't covet the really cool boat. I'm working on it. Don't covet their home. You can say it's nice. But when you do that, you know what you're doing, respectfully? You're degrading what God is doing in your life right now and how far he's gotten you so far. Don't do that. You know what I do? Man, God, thank you so much. God, for blessing so-and-so. Can I tell you what I do a lot as a, as a, as a pastor? I just, man, I feel like the commandments just open. I mean, you just got to say things. Man, I see guys, I, I see guys that, and our, our church is doing great. Don't make no, I'm not, hear me. This is not comparison. But I see churches and they're able to meet the needs of all of their church. And there are seasons in my life where I have to check myself and go, okay, Rich, don't compare. Because I look at these junior hires right here and a couple more that we have, and they need a youth pastor. And let me just tell you right now, youth pastors fight a culture that a lot of us have disengaged from. I think youth ministries have the hardest job in a certain way on a staff than any other ministry. And I'm telling you right now, I look at these right here and I go, they're going to need a place and they're going to need people to speak into their lives because they're going to go through it. And I look at my friends and they've got youth pastors and I have to be careful. All right, God, you know, God, your timing's good. From, from kids ministry to student ministry to college ministry to a ministry for our adult seniors. Listen, I know God's got us. We're good. We're on track. But I got to be careful because I'm like, I want what they have. So you know what I had to start doing? Man, Lord, thank you for blessing that church. Oh, God, thank you for their, God bless their youth pastors. God, I pray, and I, I got to pray for them. I just got to. Now, it's not to say we don't got any, look at me real quick. I'm not saying we don't got anything good here. Man, God's done some miraculous things in this church. And he's not done. But I have to make sure, this is just an example for me. I can't covet what others got. So I'm just going to believe for it. 
I love the words of the Apostle Paul. Go, go ahead and stand to your feet and I'll read these words and then we'll pray. I love, I love these words. Man, I want this to speak to your hearts. Maybe you're here today and man, you look at what other people got and you're like, hey God, why not me? Hey God, how come them? Why, why not? God, but watch here. Philippians chapter four. Not that I speak from want. That's a big statement right there. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. So that tells us we have to learn that. Then he gets a little bit more detailed. I, I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity, both and. And in any circumstance, in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Oh, man, I love the Apostle Paul. What a tremendous truth. We're not going to covet. We're going to be content. Some of you need to look, and I mean this with all due respect, you need to look at how far God's brought you and where you are right now and just say, thank you, Lord. Instead of, oh, stop that. You're diminishing God's work in your life. Understand the season that you're in. Every season has a purpose. And every season will, will take you into the next season. Some of you guys, you feel like you're in winter right now. Everything's dormant. Things seem cold. Things seem redundant. Things seem aimless. It's a winter. But you do, do, do you know God can do something in your life when you're in a season of winter? It's all throughout the Bible. And here's the great news. Spring's coming. Oh, man, I love spring. I love summer on the coast. true fall's coming don't despise the season that you're in God's got a plan God's doing something